0: You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of 3 Mom. Well, Welcome to another edition of 3 Mom. I am John Kurtz joined by Derek Young from K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury. And today we are talking K-State Texas as we embark on what is going to be um, either an epic or potentially awful November. I don't know that there's much in between because these games are going to be high, eye stakes from here on out. So strap it in and make sure that you, you have a little something to take the edge off. And uh, I know just the place. It's our friends at Holiday Distillery. They've got 360 Vodka. They've got Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Whatever your poison of choice is, make sure that you support those who are supporting our pod. Holiday Distillery, great K-State folks. Uh Cole, I know I heard him mention uh, with Curry the other day because I listened to the Curry pod that they were out at the For the Players uh, basketball, or, uh, golf tournament uh, a couple of weeks ago. So they're supporting all things K-State right now. So make sure you go out return the favor and get your Ben Holiday bottled in Bond Bourbon or your 360 Vodka. And trust me, again, you're going to need it, whether it's celebrating, nerves, any of it. Uh, it's going to all be encompassed throughout the month of November here. So that being said, gentlemen, uh, how do we feel heading into November? It's, I feel like uh, October has been you know, kind of like a casual little... I mean, I get, did Oklahoma State technically happen in, in October? Since then, it's been pretty pretty smooth sailing like just kind of a casual like hey this is fun uh and now now things change going to austin you've got iowa state at home still left on the schedule you have to go to lawrence uh no offense to baylor but i'm not going to include that game i think in in those categories it's getting it's getting real uh it's getting real as the kids would say
1: yeah i mean and You have to stack on. You have the Patrick Gonba decision that's also going to take place on Saturday, uh, the same day that Kansas State faces Texas. USC hoops game coming up Monday. Play USC uh, that following Monday. So it's, you know, I I feel like you could have. I don't know if there's an in between. Like you could get an in between. What if you lose to Texas, but get Gongba and beat USC? Like you can get an in between there.
2: I feel uh, anxious so it's been a uh, it's been it's been too long that I know shocking right that I feel a little anxious for a big game hey give me some credit here I haven't acted too nervous the last few weeks Um, but uh, it's been since 2016 the K-State last beat Texas and there have been some heartbreaking games in Austin over the years in fact you know they lose the 2021 game by five that was incredibly frustrating didn't hurt as much because that there was a difference between winning you know eight regular season games and nine but their uh, their last three trips to Austin they've lost by five points three points and six points uh including the overtime loss I think in 2017 where they double jumped not double overtime Alex um, Alex yeah I, I think in was it 2017 and 19 they jumped out to a 14 nothing lead down there in both both games and oh, another they hit at 19 because I was feeling good in 19, man. Yeah. I was
0: feeling good about that one.
2: And they they lost on a walk-off field goal um, by uh, Jake what, Dicker, the kicker, uh, down there. So in 2019 or something. I can't keep them straight because I, we were there for all of them. I was there for 17 and 19, and we were on the sidelines at the end of both of those games. And, man, did they stay. Because K-State could have won all three of the last trips to Austin, and uh, they've all been in heartbreaking fashion.
1: Twenty one was that the Black Friday game?
2: Yeah, that was the yeah, Courtney Messingham a, fire yeah, game.
0: that
2: was the game that got Courtney Messingham fired. It's Black Friday for Courtney Messingham. <laughs> yeah. Uh it's it's been that. Cole's
0: Cole's kind of jumping ahead here. You know what? We'll just we'll make that headline number one, Cole, because that was gonna be headline number two. My bad. My bad. I didn't yeah. look at the headlines. Headline number one is just that this has been this has been a a real tough series for K State the last six years. Not just losing to Texas, but it's been, for the most part, losing these excruciatingly close games. Sands 2020, uh, COVID year when K-State was having all sorts of problems, Texas completely outclassed them. But, outside of that, man, I mean, 2022, like last year, K-State plays the wrong quarterback, almost wins the game in a pretty furious comeback. According to Messingham and the play calling in a game that, again, K-State probably should have won. And in, uh, in 2021, it was a game good enough to get to change an offensive coordinator, which was probably for the best. And in, in the long term, blew an early lead in 2019, another wrong quarterback game in 2018, remember 20, the 2018 game, guys, If we want to remember things uh, fondly here. The 2018 game is what eventually spurned on Bill Snyder yelling at me and telling me to write what the hell I want to write. So I was not at that game. Uh, doing a TV broadcast, and then I heard him tell us in postgame press conference that the outcome of the game is not affected by who starts at quarterback. And I said, okay, uh, let's see what happens on Tuesday when we ask some quarterback questions. So and that was again a furious comeback after falling in a hole when Alex Delton started the first half and Skylar Thompson came in and played the second half. So it's just been—it feels like there's there's some frustrating thing hanging over everybody coming out of each one of these Texas games, and you just have not been able to beat them and be honest, Texas has been pretty mid over the last six years. These have not been great quintessential Texas teams that that have beaten K-State. They have been very middle-of-the-road Texas teams that have beaten K-State for the most part.
1: I know Kansas State kind of rallied last year and made it somewhat interesting at the end, but even that felt like Texas, the way they took off at the beginning of that game, it kind of took the air out of the building, right? Because that was a home game with a lot of stakes on it. And I think it was like, you know, Felt like ten minutes, and you, the game was almost out of hand. So, you you can't let Texas race out to that kind of lead because they play better. You know, I say that, but they almost lost their lead against Houston a couple of weeks ago. But they are a lot tougher to beat when you 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 know surrender a lot a deficit of that kind right from the gate.
2: It was it was fourteen to ten last year after the uh, first two drives for both teams, and then Texas completely took control. I mean, Texas went down the field first three drives, scored touchdowns on all three of their drives, and they made it look easy. And, you know, then they had a fumble that kept K-State in the game, but K-State had a turnover on downs. K-State goes into halftime down 31-10. to Texas scores 31 points in the first half, only stopped once, so 31 points on five, six drives. I mean, K-State couldn't stop them. B. John Robinson ran for over 200 yards last year. Texas ran for seven yards a carry, 270 yards on the ground. Uh, They were, you know, their running game, Bijan was elite, clearly, and they had Quinn Ewers in that game. John, I, I you're not going to let that quarterback thing go, are you? You know, I was just looking up the uh, the Adrian Martinez box score again, and I'm like, you know, he played pretty darn well in that game. I, I, I still think uh, I don't know if there would have been a, a big difference. So, well, I
1: think I, I say, yeah, i
2: around to admitting it after
0: after the fact last year too. So let's not right. let's not play total revisionist history there.
2: I think – It's 24 points, all right? Yeah. 27, 27, all right, 27 against against one of the best defenses in the league.
1: Yeah. Here, here's my thing. Um, the way Will Howard went last year, he's probably your your best choice for that game. I think we can probably reasonably come to that conclusion. I'm not sure the outcome changes a whole bunch because I think Texas – if they're pushed a little bit more, they're gonna score a little bit more in that game. They were able to take the foot off the gas a bit, like Cole said, they scored thirty-one in the first half. So
2: yeah, they only, the issue. They only got a field goal in the second half. K-State has the ball with two and a half minutes left with a chance to tie at the end of the game. I just you know I'm looking at Adrian. Twenty-four at thirty-six, three hundred and twenty-nine yards, two TDs, one pick, nine point one yards per pass.
1: The game script kind of Went into that too. You get down big, you got to throw pick. right? Yeah, there.
2: I mean the the, the interception yeah. was incredibly costly. So yeah,
1: and, and Texas did that to everyone last year. I think that was just the way that they chose to win, and in some cases it helped them lose. They lost to the Texas Tech this way, but they would get out to those leads and just you know blast, yeah. dominate people in the first half, and then coast in the second half.
2: The fourth quarter stats for Texas were abysmal last year, right? Wasn't it like they had one of the worst offenses in the country in the fourth quarter of games? They if they weren't up significant they would lose so many games in the fourth quarter which is why to me guys looking at the actual matchup on saturday one of the biggest things and we talked about it, dyu and i did earlier this week is getting off to a good start steve Sarkeesian, known good play caller he's going to come out script things up and look what they did last year first three drives three touchdowns they uh, they had their foot on the gas offensively they're gonna to try to do the same. Now it's a little bit different with Malik Murphy at quarterback and not having Gwen Ewer, So that changes things a little bit. Can they be as effective? I will say, like, you look at Texas against BYU, and I know, John, you were over at my house for some of that game, and we had it on the secondary TV that we're watching it. Like the the score 35 to six, it's really not indicative of Texas didn't play very well offensively in that game. They had two turnover on downs in the red zone. Malik Murphy had an awful interception. They had a punt return touchdown. Three of Texas's drives, six plays, twenty-six yards that went for a touchdown. One play, eight yards for a touchdown. Three plays, thirty-nine yards for a touchdown. They took advantage of some awful BYU turnovers and uh, had really short fields, and that's how they scored the bulk of their points.
1: Yeah, that's like Eden Slovis. Yeah. yeah. The four newcomers, man, they're 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 worse than mid. Yeah, they're not good. They're not good. I mean, BYU's got five wins. Okay, let's you know. <laughs> I'm a but, but, but they're still a joke. I think they got five wins because the Big 12 is kind of a chill. I mean, you know,
2: we hyped up their Arkansas win, and Arkansas is going to probably fire their head coach now because they're a complete dumpster from there. Then the STC yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, well, uh, I might miss the mark a little bit on that. Sorry to our Patreon subscribers. By the way, uh, if you want great insights like that that I gave you a couple of weeks ago the BYU was pretty good, uh, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash uh, Threemaw. That's where you can get bonus pods and content like that that you you won't find anywhere else. You won't find anybody else loving up BYU the way I was on that Patreon. But in all seriousness, a way to support our pod, patreon.com slash Threemaw, get some bonus content. We're planning on doing some uh, a basketball show after the exhibition game, which is coming up tonight as we uh, record this. So make sure you get on over there to patreon.com slash Threemaw. It's just five bucks a month to support us if you want access to uh, to some of that.
2: And I am trying. I'm trying to get a football guest on for this week too, uh, John, as well to have a pod on there. So I'll keep you guys posted.
1: And some lucky some lucky teams going to get to play BYU in a bowl game. I just want to point that out.
0: Well, maybe I don't know. If you looked at their schedule, actually, that it might get a little dicey. (laughs) It might get a little dicey trying to get them into a bowl game. Um, I digress. Yeah, BYU is not ready for the big time, right? But storyline or headline. Number one, to me, this week, it's it's transitioned here into to headline number two. But the biggest prevailing storyline to me was just, is K-State ready to meet the moment here? You know, it's been a, a great month where they have worked out some kinks, they have dominated some people, the defense in particular has come a long way, and now it's time to ratchet it up, man. I mean, you outscore your last three opponents 103-10 to 10 in the last 10 halves, basically since halftime of the Tech game. But that was Texas Tech, TCU, and Houston all right, that is that is not going to be Texas, Kansas, and Iowa State. Uh, th- this will be a lot different, and it is basically a play-in game, a must-win game to, uh, to get back to Arlington. Playing game is not the right way to frame it. Y- you need to win this game if you are going to get to Arlington in all likelihood. So last year's team, when they were in this same position here, gut check down the stretch run of the season, they had it in them uh, to produce the big wins when they needed to. We're about to find out if this team has it too, and I'll be honest, Like sitting here on the precipice of it, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that I have like a great feel for... It's been really impressive what they've done the last few weeks, but I don't know that I have a great feel for how they will respond when they're put up against uh, a pretty elite team this week against Texas and then some really tough teams down the stretch, too.
1: In ways, I don't love the matchup, but I will say this. For the moment, in terms of the stage, I think they're ready for that part. Interestingly enough, though, and I know this year is going to play out very differently than it did a year ago. And I agree that a loss would be pretty harmful in terms of their chances to make it to Arlington. The Kent State's in the same spot they were last year. They're 4-1 and when they play Texas. They lost to Texas last year and went to 4-2 and and still went to Arlington. I don't think you probably can get away with that this year um, unless a lot of chaos ensues, which is possible. You got Bedlam this week. KU plays Iowa State. Um, that's on the table. But, you know, we say last year's team was ready for this moment, and they were, but they still lost to Texas and felt forward to in the Big 12. So I think you could be ready for the moment and still lose just because Texas is that good. Um, this Texas team, we always talk about Texas being super talented, and they are every year, and typically they underachieve that talent. But even more, and this is probably saying something, I think this is the most talented Texas has been in a long time. Um, that's how talented this team this particular group is. It's certainly the best offensive line that they have had in years, I think. Um, probably a little weaker at running back just because nobody can really compare to Bijan John Robinson. And your quarterback play takes a hit without Quinn Ewers because your passing game is a little bit more limited with Malik Murphy under center. But this Texas team is really good. And if it wants to play an A game, I don't think last year's Kansas State team beats this one. But I don't think that A game is necessarily in play without Quinn Ewers at quarterback
2: it's the it's the most talented team that Steve Sarkeesian has had at Texas during his entirety there now not having Quinn Ewers to your point dy that changes things a little bit and what I will say is you look at like the advanced analytics and the metrics if you would have looked at it going into the season K-State was around 11 to 12 point underdog against Texas and the advanced analytics they had around a 20 percent chance to win this game prior to the season in those numbers. You look at Kelly Ford's ratings. That's that's what it modeled out to. Currently, as we head into Saturday, Kelly Ford has K-State as a a 5.5-point underdog and a 35% chance to win. So the margin has closed a pretty significant amount. Uh, Now, that partially is due to not having Quinn Ewers and having a different quarterback, but also because of K-State playing significantly better over the last three weeks and blowing out teams. Now, that does influence the analytics and the numbers and maybe inflates them a little bit but uh, it's projected to be a one-score type game. Now, is KC ready for the moment? That's, that's a great question, and we're going to find out pretty early on in this game. Uh, they haven't played anybody like Texas this season. Uh, Texas is a different animal, and um, I'm anxious to see how they come out and play in a, a setting with so much on the line because if you do win this game and you're 5-1 and one in the league, you are in a great position to make it to the Big 12 Championship. You're in a position where... If you beat Texas, now no one wants to drop another game by any means, but if you beat Texas, you could lose another game possibly and still make the Big 12 championship. You would have a decent shot because you would have the tiebreaker over Texas and then the Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game, you know, if Oklahoma were to lose... You know they'd have two losses. In case he doesn't play them head to head, and and we'd have to then figure out all the tiebreaker scenarios. But I think you would have a probably thirty to forty percent chance to still make it at seven and two if you beat Texas.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I had not I had gone through and done some of the calculus on that, but you are correct. I mean, this game it, it really is. If we have not underscored it, you I mean this this game is about as big as it gets uh, for for this season, and this team has earned the opportunity to go out and and try and get it. Um, we've got one more headline coming up, but uh, before we get to that, we've got to tell you about our good friends at Homefield Apparel. I went back to the Copper Bowl shirt today. I am wearing that. I'm going to take a wild guess and say that what Derek is wearing is not Homefield Apparel today. He is not playing along. So if you're if you're watching on YouTube, not Homefield Apparel that Derek is is watching or uh, wearing rather. But Cole Cole has it on. Thank you, Cole. Uh, for popping that up there. Nice uh, Sailor Willie hoodie that he's got. You can get all of that and much more. 40-plus items there at State Apparel at homefieldapparel.com. Uh, Old-school logos, really soft, comfortable stuff. I mean, the hoodie that I got from them a couple of weeks ago is the most comfortable hoodie that I own. I love wearing it. Um, so if you want to look great and be comfortable and rock the coolest-looking cat gear around, make sure to get to homefieldapparel.com. We'll even give you 15% off your first order. It's promo code 3MAW23 to get 15% off your first order. And if you want to venture out, you can check out 100 plus other schools that they have on there too with uh, lots and lots of cool stuff. HomefieldApparel.com. We are back in just a moment. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app, find it on the App Store or Google Play.
3: Just search KC Sports Network. Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: So the, the final headline here to me, and I know it's been mentioned already here in talking about Texas, is I, I feel like this game will come down to can K-State handle Texas in the trenches? Like, we know... So much of K-State's success on offense recently has been about running the football. We still have concerns about a downfield vertical threat in the passing game. So it's going to be, can you actually get down and dirty with the Texas team that is as good in the trenches as they have been probably during this six-game losing streak, certainly. I mean, I don't know when you'd have to go back to when Texas actually had some some nastiness to them. You know? I mean, the book on Texas has always been that they're pretty soft. They'll have some skill talent, but... Um, but it's been kind of a country club sort of program. I don't think that's really the case anymore this year. So are you ready to talking about meeting the moments, meet that moment with the with the big uglies in the trenches? I think that will decide the game.
1: Yeah, and and I bet that's going to be a pretty even battle because that's really what's got Kansas State Kansas State across the finish line the last three games. But you're right. Texas is nasty. They're tough. They're physical. Like their mentality has took a one eighty in terms of those lines of scrimmage, and I, and I I even like their offensive line. I think a little bit better than their defensive line, but their defensive lines really good. Their defense is really good. They have a great formula right now, and, and in ways, it could be even more effective with Malik Murphy if he, if he was more of a runner, but he's not, so you don't get that QB run game aspect from him, but you still invite the turnover possibility, which is probably their problem right now. Because Texas, man, they could they have a great offensive line and a great defense. And that's a really good recipe. But now you got a quarterback that kind of, you know, will will cough the ball up. But I think that to me, the, the bigger key might be the Kansas State defensive line versus the Texas offensive line. Because if Kansas State were to find a way to win that battle, you can kind of as long as you tackle well, eliminate the the Texas run game, at least the explosiveness a little bit. it would have been a great running team, if you look at maybe some success rate and stuff like that, they've really largely depended on the explosive play when it comes to the run game, actually. If you eliminate that and you force Malik Murphy to beat you, he's probably prone to making some pretty big mistakes. He's got a big arm. He's going to make some plays. But I I think that's the recipe. I think Kansas State can um, have a good day, largely dependent on if their defensive line can win that battle, or at least make it even.
2: I think it's critical to make Texas drop back and throw the football with a redshirt freshman, at quarterback. Again, Malik Murphy has a big arm. He's not a dual-threat quarterback. He is a pocket passer. He was the number 205 player in the country in the on-three consensus, the number 12 quarterback in the country, coming out of the 2022 recruiting class out of California. He's a good player, but he's a redshirt freshman. He threw an atrocious interception against BYU on Saturday. He also had a fumble where he took an awful sack. For an 18-yard loss, lost the ball when Texas was about to score as well. So if you can force him, now he's got plenty of skill, position, talent to throw it to. We all acknowledge that. But if you force him to obvious drop-back situations, that's very beneficial for K-State's defense. They're going to try to line up and run the ball with Jonathan Brooks. You know, Jonathan Brooks has 923 yards rushing on the season. He's got number six in the country in total rushing yards and uh, 6.4 yards per carry. Now, they haven't gotten much from the other backs. Cedric Baxter, talented freshman, five-star kid. They thought he was going to be a star this year. He's got under 300 yards on the season. It's been Jonathan Brooks that they really rely on. As a team, they're at 4.7 yards per carry. You remember against KU, they just lined up and smashed the ball, 336 yards rushing in that game. But every other game this season, guys, they've been held to – uh you know, right around 156. So their their last three games, 156 yards on the ground, 141 yards on the ground, and then they had 184 on 35 carries against BYU. I mean, it's okay, but it's not completely overwhelming. They've they've been okay running the ball at the DY's point, but the prior two games before BYU, they were under four yards per carry. So take away the run, because they're going to line up and try to maul you a little bit, and you'd make them drop back into obvious passing situations, and you put that K-State defense in third and six, third and eight, where K-State is number six in the country in third-down defense, holding teams to 29% on the season. To me, that's a a big key to get them in obvious third-down passing situations.
0: Yeah, yeah, it definitely will be, and we've got a lot more coming. I mean, Cole, I feel bad. We basically just uh, curtailed a part of your
2: your segment here. Well, I feel bad because I just changed the topic from talking about the big uglies up front, John, to more talking about the overall picture. I mean, you talk about that Texas defensive line, to me – I, maybe I'm jumping the gun here, but I mean you got a Tamandre sweat, six foot four, three hundred and sixty-two pound defensive tackle, senior, played in 48 games. Byron Murphy, 6'1, 300 pound defensive tackle, who was preseason all Big 12 first team. They're big up front, man, and and they're good against the run. They're the number one run defense in the Big 12, holding teams to 3.2 yards per carry. They're top 20 in the country. They're holding teams to 98 rushing yards per game on the ground. Going up against a K State rushing attack that has been tremendous over the last four to five weeks. Just taking away, Cole. This is
0: all you, Texas. Texas offense, defense preview. I mean, look the only the only notes that I really had on on Texas are that they they are obviously rolling with uh, a backup quarterback and Malik Murphy, who's very talented, highly recruited guy that they want to try to keep around. But even d- despite his size, and you might look at him and think, "Hey, that's a guy they're just going to use like Colin Klein as a battering ram running the ball." That's that's not what it is. Um, and the other thing, Cole, I, I gave you a stat, right? Yes, yeah, so I'm just going to let you do, do it. it. You you I read, the, read stat. the stat. i got a stat. yeah. You, you do it. You do it. Okay. I've got a stat. I got to see if I can remember the numbers correctly. Texas is this is this is your key to the game. Okay, outside of the trenches, which some of this will be decided in the trenches, but in the red zone. Remember that KU game? I think that's the one that stands out to me when I think about this with Texas. Like they were moving the ball with ease between the 20s and they were terrible in the red zone. Texas is 120th in the country in red zone offense this year. And K-State's defense is it third call They're third in the country. It was third yeah, when I looked at it. I
1: Derrick's giving me a 2. It was third when I looked they, at it earlier. Really they are second in touchdown rate in the red zone. I will say that.
2: Yeah, they're they're listed as third um Behind I believe I believe Texas is second defensively in the red zone. So yippee. But but
1: with touchdown rate, which is their <laughs> emphasis, they're second.
2: Uh well, honestly that's a
0: good point to make because K State has been excellent offensively in the red zone. So you got a couple of really interesting matchups there, uh when when both teams are in the red zone. And K State's
1: yeah. elite on both sides of the ball in third down.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Texas has scored a touchdown on 49% of their red zone trips. Only 13 teams, the, 13 teams in the country have a worse percentage. You remember the Oklahoma game where they were at the one-yard line, first and goal. They brought in, uh, I think they brought in Tamandre Sweat, or what they brought in a couple of their defensive tackles, so they tried to run smash mouth, got stuffed twice. And keep in mind, KU ran the ball down Oklahoma's throats. Texas couldn't punch it in from the one. And then they ended up on fourth down running a quick little uh, – you know, not a bubble screen really, just threw it out to Xavier Worthy and he got stopped and they didn't get a touchdown there and that, would, that was a crucial point in the OU game against BYU on Saturday. They had two drives inside the BYU 10, first and goal, didn't get a single point. Turned it over on downs once and then had a fumble on another one. So they've been really bad in the red zone. Now what I will say, and D.Y., let me know if you disagree, I feel like red zone sometimes can be a little fluky, right? Like, I mean... I don't know. I, I don't know if I put a ton of stock, and you're just so bad in the red zone. Um, I feel like that can change on a dime. So
1: it could change on a dime, but it, that probably probably would be due to a more schematic adjustment. I mean, teams. Are, you know, really, it's it's a new era of football where you, you some teams, and I think Kansas State's one of them. A lot of the good teams do it. They look at the analytics. It's more important to be good on defense inside the 20 rather than between the 20s. And it's easier to play defense in that part of the field because it shrinks. Yeah. That's just what it is, what it is. John, you got any numbers? Uh, any other numbers
2: you want to share? I mean, John- you're, you're, mine was the third down. I, the uh, the
0: John Kurtz Research Department only is only able to churn out one statistic per week.
1: Mine was the third down stuff. I can't say it's just been absolutely dominant in the last two games. 20 out of 27 on the last – or 20 of their last 27 third downs the last two games, and then only allowing five out of 27 in the last two games. Now, I think you do kind of run into, if you want to be paranoid, are they due to have a letdown in that area? They might be.
2: Here's, I mean, this is a big matchup to what you just said, D.Y., Texas is third defensively in the country in third-down defense behind only Georgia and Utah. They're holding teams to 28% third-down success. K-State's defense is sixth in the country, holding teams to 29% defensively on third-down defense. But third-down offense against third-down defense, right? I just said Texas, 28% third-down defense. K-State, number four in the country in third-down offense at 55%. It's got a, you, you look at some of the key factors of this game, red zone, producing in the red zone holding teams to three holding texas to three and then third downs those are going to be critical points in this game and, and it's both matchups where both teams have uh, strengths in those areas going up strength against strength so it's going to be really really interesting to watch especially on the third down as being a strength not red zone because that's not a strength for texas offensively so
1: texas not not a strength offensively for them in third down or red
2: zone
1: yeah You look at that Texas offense overall, John,
2: 6.4 yards per play. That ranks 18th nationally, third in the Big 12. 4.7 yards per rush as a team. That ranks 33rd in the country. They're 15th in pass efficiency offense nationally. That's second best in the Big 12. 8.8 yards per pass, ranks 20th nationally. But again, they don't have Quinn Ewers, who was having a really good season, completing 71% of his passes, 13 touchdowns, three interceptions, and uh, nearly 2,000 yards. Now they turn things over to a 6'5", 235-pound Redshirt freshman quarterback and Malik Murphy, who's going to be making only a second start in a much bigger moment than what he had against BYU with the trip to Arlington potentially on the line. Um, Texas has scored 30 or more points in their first eight games. That's the first time in school history they've done it. And DYU mentioned their offensive line. John, you mentioned it too. Kelvin Banks, six foot four, 318-pound left tackle, preseason first-team All-Big 12. He is a projected first-round draft pick. A really good player up front and then um i already mentioned jonathan brooks 6.4 yards per carry nearly a thousand yards on the season man they have some weapons at the skill positions xavier worthy nearly 2300 more than 2300 yards in his career receiving 25 touchdowns and he's only in year three of his college football career he leads the he team 44 what's that he took a punt back last yeah. year. yeah he housed a punt return for a touchdown um you know, 44 receptions, 572 yards this year. They added A.D. Mitchell from Georgia in the transfer portal. That was a big add. Now, A.D. Mitchell hadn't done anything in his Georgia career for the most part, but he's come on. He was injury-prone in Georgia. He's been great for them. 29 receptions, 427 yards, 15 yards per catch, and seven touchdowns. And then the guy that's really just a huge weapon for them is Jatabion Sanders, the six foot four, 243-pound junior tight end. He had five receptions for 54 yards against k-state last year in manhattan he had 613 yards receiving on 14, 54 receptions last year he's averaging 18 yards a catch this season he had over 100 yards on five receptions against alabama he's a big time weapon for them they love to go to him now can malik murphy get him the ball big arm but uh accuracy maybe still a little bit of a question uh that'll be a big part as well Is how how much can they get sanders the ball because he's a matchup nightmare Mel Kuyper has him as the number two draft eligible tight end in the country behind Brock Bowers. And the, hey, tight end game, Ben Sennett, Mel Kuyper had as a top four tight end in the NFL draft too. So two of the better tight ends in college football will be facing each other in this game. Cole, I have one thing that I do want to point out. This is
0: not a stat, okay, but special teams, Texas special teams, actually are pretty good with Jeff Banks, who everybody remembers from the pole assassin saga. Uh, a couple of years ago on Halloween, by the way. So almost uh, almost to the day that we had the pole assassin incident with the monkey biting a kid. But anyway, okay, uh, they're pretty good on special teams, and we watched Xavier Worthy take a punt. Was that a punt or a kick? I forget
2: which. It was a Back punt. It, yeah, it was a punt.
0: Yeah, and uh, the yeah, kickers. And, I mean, look, KC special teams have been better the last couple of weeks, but you guys know my concern level has definitely been there with them. You better be careful because Xavier Worthy is a dude in the open field. So that
2: is on my radar
3: as something to
1: watch. I, I will say Kansas State's only allowed 12 punt return yards all year. You
2: you remember what Tech Texas was the team last year that exploited K-State in the kick return game. Remember what they were doing? They were kicking the ball right to the corner, and K-State kept bringing it out, and they kept getting penned inside the 15-yard line. You remember that? It was very frustrating. Uh, they gave K-State fits. They were they were pinning the ball into the corner, kicking it high in case they kept returning it and they were getting an awful field position. So, uh, would expect that Auburn, their kicker, 13 of 18 on the year on field goals. He's zero of two on 50 plus yarders. So, uh, he's been a little hot and cold, um, as a place kicker, but yeah, they're good in the return game. And, uh, Defensively, I, we haven't talked a ton about that, but they're they're really good defensively. I mentioned it earlier, 3.2 yards per carry allowed. That's number one in the Big 12. It's top 20 in the country. K-State, top 15 in the country in yards per carry. Offensively, they've been great running the football. Texas, 98 yards rushing per game allowed. K-State's number four in the country with 226 rushing yards per game. So strength against strength here. Can K-State's offensive line man up? If K-State can run the ball for... 150, 175 yards. I like their chances to be right there at the end in this game. It's a Texas defense allowing 1.39 points per drive. They rank 13th nationally in that category and lead the Big 12, 4.9 yards per play. That ranks 28th, 29th in the country. They're 21st in pass efficiency defense, 6.6 yards per play allowed. That ranks 32nd. They're number two in the country in red zone defense. I mentioned it earlier. Uh, K-State's number three, Texas number two in red zone defense, 27.3% of the red zone drives end in touchdowns against that Texas defense. And then I mentioned to Sweat and Byron Murphy, either earlier, two talented defensive tackles that are a load to move up front. Hadn't even mentioned Jalen Ford, the preseason Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, a third team associated press All-American last year. He leads the team with eight and a half tackles for loss, 57 tackles overall. Has two interceptions, six foot three, two hundred and forty-two-pound linebacker. He's been really good for him, aside for the OU game. I know you guys probably watched that. He was awful against Oklahoma. I don't know what was going on with him in that game, but uh he's a very talented piece. that case they will have to be cognizant of offensively. It's a good team. Uh Ryan Watts, their starting corner, six foot three, two hundred and fifteen pounder, been at Texas for two years, transferred to Ohio State. He missed about three weeks and uh, just got back last week against BYU. He will be back against K-State as well, obviously. That's a big piece for their secondary. They missed him against Oklahoma earlier this year when they struggled. So,
1: I have a stat. It's, anyway, that special teams, it's a special team stat. You know how many putt returns in total Kansas State is allowed this year? Not for touchdown, just putt returns.
0: Well, if it's only so, twelve yards, I mean, yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna
1: say three or four, but they've only had p- two punts, not just for not for a score, two punts total caught and actually ran this year. One against UCF that went for twelve yards, it's out sixteen yards because there was one against Houston for four. They did not allow anyone to pick up the ball and run on punts. Now some of it's are just not punting very much, but I was exactly some of that is
0: the offense,
1: yeah, yeah. And some of it's Jack Loomer literally. Every time he punts it, it basically goes down inside the 20. He's the best in the country at that right now, percentage wise.
2: Did you know that uh, K State's had opponents go for 22 fourth down attempts against them? That's the third most in the country. They've converted nine. So 13 turnover on downs forced by the K State defense. To me, guys, as I look at this offense defense matchup, I think K State's going to have to rely a little bit more on Avery Johnson this week than they did against Houston. Like you're going to need some explosiveness and ability to hit a home run-type play. And so I would look for Avery Johnson to play more this week. Pass more? Yes, everything. Yeah, I I think it's all on the table. I think they're going to need all hands on deck.
1: Derek didn't seem to like that as much. (sighs) Because I think it's a team, they pass well after they've already run it. They've not passed it well without running it prior.
2: I think you're going to have to throw it against this Texas defense if you're going to win.
1: Well, right. I agree with you, but that's just not a recipe. They get the, the, that That's how Kansas State lose. Now, I'm not saying that's what they're going to have to do and try to win that way, but their way to win is to still be able to run the ball well. I don't think their passing game is far enough along to to do it without a competent running game.
2: Tight end game, baby. Ben Sennett and Garrett Oakley going to bust some seam routes down the middle.
0: Oh, so, the other thing I would mention about the offense, they've been hitting on the edges so much with jet sweeps and swing passes and things like that. I, you're going to have a tougher time doing some of that against Texas, I think, than you have been the last couple of weeks. And Chris Kleiman, to Derek's point, basically said in the press conference, he was like, Look, we can't just not do what we do because Texas is really good in the trenches. Like, that's, we can't get away from what we do. Like, that's how we yeah,
1: get away Yeah. I can't say it's not a good enough passing attack to just say, Hey, we're going to pass the ball and beat Texas. Like, I, I get it. That's the way to maybe. To, to defeat Texas um, and maybe go out of weakness, but they're not good enough to do it without a good running game.
2: The final, final word there, Cole, you got nothing else? I'll, I'll make sure I alert Seth Porter, who will be this week's player spotlight guest on three maw in conjunction with Riverbank Brewing and Wildcat NIL. I'll, I'll make sure that uh, we discuss some special teams play, because he'll be a key part of this one against a good special teams uh, to what DUI said for Texas. So he'll be our guest. You're welcome. Great drop. We're Thank just you. about
0: to do that before we got to quick hitters.
2: But see, we just we read it we read each other. We're gonna this so long together. So it's like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, you know? Same yeah. Let me pull up your outline you sent. You know, so actually I'm ready for for the first okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, well, quick hitter
2: number one. Who finishes third on
0: this team in receiving yards? Because it looks like Philip Burks and Ben Sennett are locks for one and two. Who finishes third on this team in receiving yards? You've got D.J. Giddens currently in third with 124 yards. To Derek's point about the passing game, D.J. Giddens is your third leading receiver. Uh, Jaden Jackson, R.J. Garcia, and Jace Brown are all within 103 yards of third, so within striking distance. There, who do who do you have taking on third
1: by the end of the year? I will stick with D.J. Giddens because I think they. I don't. I think incorporating the running backs is the adjustment to finally. Play confident passing attack. That's part of it. And I don't trust the QB receiver relationship. I mean, Jaden Jackson has a chance maybe, but I'll, I'll go DJ Giddens.
2: I'll, uh, I'll take Jace Brown. I think with the uh, the home run ability, I think he'll catch up and uh, just takes a couple 40-plus uh, yarders for him to get there. So I'll take the uh, the freshman, even though he didn't do much against Houston. RJ Garcia's got like 30 yards receiving since the opening game against SEMO. So that's
1: been under i worry about jace brown against the physicality of texas you don't give him a free release he's probably and and if they just throw a zone at him all game i I think i'm not sure i feel great about him in the texas game and then that leaves you with only what three games left that's why i didn't go chase brown
0: i think dj giddens is probably the safest answer but i I would go giddens or jace brown i know Jaden jackson they're using more but it seems to be in that kind of Jet sweep roll, um, so I think you'll continue to see that. But I, I would feel best, probably honestly, about DJ Giddens, which is which is a little I, bit
1: great. I would, and I feel better about Jackson the Brown just because I, I think Jackson probably a better game against Texas. But we'll see. okay,
0: uh, who wins more starts in their college career, Avery Johnson or Arch Manning? We got Arch Manning is the uh, Heralded freshman at Texas. Avery Johnson, the Heralded freshman at K State. Arch is about to go into the SEC. And he has not yet beat out Malik Murphy, who Texas I think would
2: would still like to keep around.
0: So there's there's a
3: lot of factors to consider. Did,
2: do they have to start for it to be counted as a win, or any game they play in? Start. Oh, start. It starts. Yeah. It
3: starts.
1: I go. Well, I go. Avery, and to be honest, it's it's because of the schedule too uh, that plays a part.
2: Well, and Avery's already got one as a starter. Technically, as a starting receiver. That's right. Yeah, you have an Avery one already. Ooh, yeah, boy, shut I up, John. No, no, you left the loophole. So, uh, so the schedule. Avery already playing right now. Arch Manning probably gets two years of games, um, if all goes to plan for him. Although I don't know, there's a lot to play out for him to see if he is going to be a first round type pick. Even the pedigree, I don't know. Um, I'll I'll take Avery. But yeah, schedule does play a part there. Going to the SEC, so yeah. I think Avery Johnson was criminally underrated by the recruiting services. Um uh, cough on three. Uh so uh I think I think Avery Johnson actually is right up there as one of the top five quarterbacks in that recruiting class. I would go Avery as well. I would. And I mean it basically is just mainly the schedule
0: and and a little bit of congestion at Texas. You know, will he be the starter next year? He probably will be. Uh I guess the other factor would be Quinn Ewers. I, I assume he'll go pro, but anyway. Uh you only get one, fellas, a win at Texas or a win at Kansas. Which are you taking?
2: It's a great question. Yeah. Uh,
1: Texas. <laughs> I'll say Texas.
2: Yeah. You just don't want to give KU that uh, mentality of
1: like. You don't yeah. want to give KU that satisfaction a little bit. Obviously, that plays a part, but I don't think you can win the Big 12 without beating Texas. As you alluded to earlier, if you beat Texas and lose to Kansas, there's more of an avenue. <laughs>
2: I think a lot of K-State fans will disagree with us, D.Y., but I would go with Texas as well.
1: I think they will too because I don't think that they can just like mentally stomach a loss to Kansas, and that's why they would do it. But for Kansas State's sake, it whenever Texas is significantly, in my opinion, more important in this given year.
2: It is because it also, if the Big 12 championship is your goal, it's more meaningful. Now you can make an argument that KU's only got two losses in the league and if they beat K State, yeah. they'd have the tiebreaker on K State. So that big Iowa State that Iowa State game's big this weekend.
1: Yeah, it is. Big twelve perception probably plays a role here too.
2: Yeah. John, yeah, what do you think?
1: Well,
0: you're gonna you you gonna get I mean, here's the two cases. You'll get not only more of a chance to make the Big Twelve championship game if it's the Texas game that you win, but you're also your national profile will be elevated for that more than it would be hurt by losing to Kansas. I mean, we just saw Oklahoma lose to Kansas. Like I think nationally, no one's really gonna like that too much of an eye at that and it would not matter nearly as much as it would just to all of us personally and locally and all that right like you'd gain a lot of juice even if we're talking about like recruiting I I I don't know I guess recruiting maybe it gets close but people would pay attention if you're if you're beating Texas this Texas team this year based on the the year that they've had but then obviously yeah I mean look you you don't have to deal with Texas anymore you're not recruiting against Texas hardly ever you are going to be recruiting against Kansas a bunch, and so. You know, if you're losing a little bit of an edge uh locally to them, maybe maybe that hurts you some, but
3: <laughs>
0: I don't know. I'd probably lean Texas. I'd probably lean Texas.
2: It's funny it's because cool. you post you posed a question to me like two games into the season, like would you get to a Big Twelve championship with losses to Missouri and KU and be able to stomach that and you know, that's technically on the table. So
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, you say, technically on the table." It is. It's legitimately on the table. And, and to your point,
2: KU's twenty first in the college football playoff. Well, I mean, it's not a loss. It's going to be. It, you
1: it would be. It would be because there's still those there's still a, you know those in the Kansas State community that view Kansas as a very 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 inferior football program, and, and, and in ways that I guess from a resource standpoint, probably still is. But look what they've done last year and now this year. They they are not that little downtrodden team that can barely win a game anymore.
0: Yeah. yeah well yeah i mean not even close no i mean
1: they're yeah. but but but, but perception wise that's still stuck in some people's heads i think and they have yeah to well, let that.
0: Yeah. yeah for oh it's yeah it's beyond time K- to K- let that go
1: yeah they K- not a joke and you know it sucks i get it but a loss to them is it's going to come very soon at some point that that streak is not going to last you know 40 years
0: uh, you know, I thought I took this off. We were talking about this beforehand. I actually didn't. Which game with a newcomer to the Big 12 do you most want on K-State's Big 12 schedule next year? We're supposed to get that released today, uh, as we record here on Wednesday morning. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, I, I want Coach Prime in Manhattan. Bring, bring Coach Prime to MHK. We can get the link up with, with Tang and and Prime again. I already had round one of that in Boulder. You can do round two of it
2: in Manhattan. Give me, give me Coach Prime. Anyway. I'll take, I'll, I'll take Prime two D Y. I'll jump you here, and uh, I'll take that because I think the TV ratings. Uh, I'll, it'll be interesting in year two. Will will the ratings be as high? Will the hype be as high? But still, the, it depends upon how Colorado starts next year. If they they're better and improve and get off to a better start, I'd take Deion Sanders in Manhattan with a secondary pick of Utah. Love to take out the Utes.
1: Yeah, I I think those are the two answers, Colorado, Utah. I think that 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 brings the most juice.
2: Let me just say, though, guys, and it'll be on K State's schedule because Gene Taylor has said they're going to keep Arizona as a non con. Arizona is a tricky non con game. Arizona's improving. Jed Fish has that program going in the right direction. They have a very talented quarterback in Noah Fofota. I might have mispronounced that, but they, they have good, yeah, they have good offensive players. And so I think Arizona's on the uprise. They're definitely on the come up. Uh, Lead pipe block of the week. I cannot give you
0: accurate standings because Cole did not respond to my text last night asking if he hit his lock last week. So,
2: oh gosh, I, I didn't. I, I I didn't. I picked um. Ah, uh, what was it that I picked? Oh, I picked Kentucky um, against Tennessee as like plus four, and they lost by what ten? They they were within three at one point in the fourth quarter. Uh, I, picked I guess. Four. Yeah, I just called. I hit on West Virginia UCF,
0: so I'm now five and two. Cole's two and five. Derek's one and six. I mean, I'm not telling
1: you where to spend your money, people. But if no, don't don't, yeah, frick, don't don't pick my games because you know I'll miss the one I I share and probably in most of the other ones. That's the way it's gone this year. Although I'm doing better in NFL lately. I'm taking Iowa State. I'm going to fake KU again, probably lose again, but I got Iowa State. I mean, when you rush the field, you you see this a lot, right? When a team rushes the field, they get real high and up be over a massive win, let down performance the following week. Cyclones are pretty good. They're only a two and a half point favorite.
2: Yeah, it's um it's a tough spot for KU and Iowa State's good at home and they're really good at night. Right. That's gonna be a hyped up atmosphere with a ranked team coming in. I, I can't remember they have an they have an elite record against ranked opponents coming in, night kicks and something like that. I'm sure I was able to be blacking it out.
1: Except oh. when the cats got there last year and won ten to nine in a oh, nail biter.
2: That's that's right. <laughs> that's right. Um I'm gonna take Toledo Tuesday night, uh minus fourteen and a half and uh um, Maxion. That was my pick. I'm sorry we didn't do record in time to get that out there, but they won by eighteen.
0: You would respond to a text, I could believe that, but you didn't even respond to a text about last week's lock, so I can't let that
1: slide. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't was- say it's an automatic loss for Cole this week since he did not
2: well, I was prepping notes for Texas for all of our listeners. I'm sorry I wasn't able to adequately respond in time. I was also prepping out my Seth Porter interview that will drop uh, this week as well. I'll take Oklahoma State plus six in bedlam against Oklahoma. I don't think Oklahoma is very good. Well, I should say not very good. I think Oklahoma is overrated, and um, I, I think Oklahoma State playing significantly better. They have the nation's leading rusher in Ollie Gordon, who saw that coming. I I, th- I know Oklahoma State has struggled in this matchup historically, but I I just don't buy into OU. I think OU can drop a second game. I'll take the six points in a rivalry.
1: I don't disagree. I'd rather it be seven, but I don't disagree.
2: I'm going to buy a point, and I'm going to change the line to one minus one thirty-five to seven, John. Thank you. Cole, you're, you're really
0: you're really forgetting about one very important overriding factor here, and that is this is Mike Gundy playing Oklahoma.
2: I just said they've struggled historically against them. Mike yeah, Gundy did.
0: playing Oklahoma, dude.
2: I hey, we we, so buried, we buried we oh, buried Mike Gundy. Playing. We Mike Gundy's not playing. Yeah, we buried Mike Gundy earlier in the year, and clearly that guy rises from the dead every time you like bury him. He figures out a way. So yeah. he's going up against coaching Titan Brent Venables. Yeah, man, what an idiot that guy is. So
1: it's uh. Okay here, here's well, let the, let me... I, I, I've said this on another show. What is mind numbing about that that game? I'm just going to put in my observation here, and I had Oklahoma said it's pits me off a little bit but Kansas entered the fourth quarter trailing they were trailing entering the fourth quarter Jason Bean threw two terrible interceptions in the fourth quarter and somehow they went from trailing to winning
2: it's well that's because like John and John and I were watching the game together Venables was such an idiot for just running the ball three straight times when they had the ball at the KU 38 after that second pick like you got to get a first down two plus minutes down uh, only up by one, that's plenty of time. K, exhausting KU's timeouts, that, that wasn't going to do anything. Dylan Gabriel's also very mint. Yeah. Didn't even trust him. They didn't trust him at all to throw the ball. I've been saying that for
0: a year and a half that Dylan Gabriel is not that good. I got very annoyed with the Dylan Gabriel love after the, the Texas game, which I mean, that was a hell of a drive. But yeah, I mean, he's got, he does not have an elite arm.
2: Uh, no, nah, but Yeah. He just throws the ball really high and hopes it drops in the bucket. So, yeah, I'm not a game. I didn't feel great about honestly
0: like anything. I didn't have a pick that I loved last week. I love that West Virginia UCF pick. I'm just gonna go Florida minus six against Arkansas because it just feels like Arkansas is completely crashing and Sam Pittman's probably done. And I don't. I feel like Arkansas is a pack it in sort of team here. So I'll take Florida to to win by a couple of touchdowns in that game. That's the best I got for you. Look, I hope I'm wrong, but. I'm feeling a number right about on that over under, which I think I saw was like 50 and a half or 51 for K-State Texas. I'm taking Texas 31 to 20. Uh, really hope I'm wrong, but I, I just think Texas is too good in the trenches. I think they're going to stymie the K-State run game. I think the offense will will have some struggles uh, getting a whole lot going consistently against Texas. And uh, eventually, you know, it's kind of like Cole talked about BYU, Texas just finds ways to score, and they – what we've seen a lot here is like close games for three quarters, and they kind of just explode on people in the fourth when they need to. It feels like they have a switch that they can flip and turn it on. So I think you may see some of that with a couple scores from Texas in the fourth and, and a thirty-one to twenty uh, Longhorn victory.
1: Let's go. I um, probably sound like lead horse here because I'm how I've kind of talked about this game throughout the game. I didn't can't stay before the year. I when we did our game by game predictions, I you know, said that Kansas State always wins a game. They probably are a big underdog too. And that's not just Kansas State. That's Chris Klein's coaching career as well. Every year at K-State, typically it's Oklahoma. Oklahoma's not on the schedule this year. And then while at North Dakota State, he did that as well. He hasn't really gotten that game or opportunity this year. And this is probably the lone one. And I think they get it for that reason. And when you're talking about maybe pulling an upset of that kind, Especially on the road, the the areas where you have to be elite at to be able to do it, it's on red zone. It's in third down. It's, you know, turnovers. And that's where Kansas State's really flipped that switch the last three weeks. I'm going to say Kansas State wins 23-20. Uh,
2: Yeah, I was thinking back to that, D.Y. I mean, when you talked about in the preview pod on the season that Chris Kleiman finds a way to win a game that most people don't think he should, and Texas is the one bugaboo, the only team, I believe, in the Big 12 that he has not defeated, other than obviously not getting a chance to play BYU or Cincinnati this year. So it's a real opportunity to end things properly with Texas and send them out with a loss in the last matchup, and as conference foes, I still... It's just the history and everything in Texas talent. I'll take Texas 27 to 24. I think it's going to be another one-score game in Austin, just like the prior three matchups. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a defensive or offensive struggle. I think Texas is going to struggle to score a little bit as well. K-State has to take care of the football. You cannot give that Texas offense a short field. you got to make them drive the length of the field. K-State needs a big special teams play, whether it's a blocked punt or something, you talked about them having good special teams, D-Y. I think K-State needs a type of play like that to swing this game, and then I think they need to force a couple of turnovers because you know you got a redshirt freshman quarterback and Malik Murphy. You need to get him in obvious passing situations, force him into a couple mistakes. It's a K-State secondary that is now 13th in the country in pass efficiency defense on the season. It's the highest pass efficiency defense that they've had in the Chris Kleiman era. They're top five in the country over the last three weeks. Now they haven't went up against great teams, this will be the toughest test, toughest skill guys they've went against this year and will go against. But uh, I'll take Texas by three, and I hope I'm wrong. I'm, I'm surprised at the
0: confidence of Derek. I would see him. He built up throughout the show thinking he was on board with me on this one.
1: Yeah. I, I, this is the the ultimate Chris Lyman win. He gets one every year. If he didn't get this, he didn't really get one this year. So.
0: Yeah. It'd be like this in the Oklahoma State game where you're two like Chris Kleiman specials, right? There's one game that is just a complete dud and then one game that's like a rise up and, and beat somebody mm-hmm. that you think they should. Yeah.
1: yeah,
2: yep, yep. And shout out to Jerry Hamilton and uh, and Bobby Burton over at Inside Texas for wishing an a- Avery Johnson injury. So in that video that went out last night. So shout out to those guys at Inside Texas. You know, Ian Boyd. Played? What
0: do you mean they wished an injury?
2: They're hoping Jalen Catalan knocks Avery Johnson out of the game. You haven't seen that video? Do you? sent it around the group text. K State fans are talking all over it. They tagged Avery. They tagged the offensive line. So, oh, I didn't see it.
0: Okay, well, I guess I'll have to go look at that. I didn't, Cole, I'll be honest. Some stuff gets thrown in the group chat that I know is
2: just gonna like make me mad, and I'm just like, I'm not. They're they're the same. They're the same idiots. Yeah, they're they're the same idiots that lost their mind at Tim Weiser's comments in a podcast they did after that that he made on three maw Big Fun Media Days. It was one of the worst. Uh, pods I've ever heard in my life. So those guys are um, something else. Ian Boyd is also with them at Inside Texas. Dy is just sitting this out because, you know, it's an on-three site. He has to. I'll have to take the shots. So, shout out to Ian Boyd for more great analysis I'm sure that's coming this week. Wouldn't be a show if I didn't take a shot.
0: The the K-State doesn't have a good run defense? What was his talking
2: point? Yeah, he said when they were number two in the country in yards per carry allowed, he said K-State really is bad against the run and I asked him about that, and I thought he made a mistake, and he doubled down on it, so, yeah. We even had KSU underscore fan. We had Jimmy going back at him on it, so.
0: You've got a lot of writing on this game then, Cole. You can't take a 27-24 to loss. I don't know what's going to happen. Flip it. Flip it. Cats 27, Texas 24. All right. There we go. So I'm the only bad guy. All right. Let's get out of here. Cole just flipped the horns down for those of you that uh, that are just listening on the podcast. That is that is what you missed. Uh, double horns down, in fact. So, 30 yards in penalties coming for Cole uh, based on that one. I just got ejected. Oh, yeah. Thank you to our friends at uh, Holiday Distillery. Thank you to our friends at Home Field Apparel. We appreciate Nick Springer behind the scenes as well. Uh, we appreciate all of you. Go. If you want more content this week, we'll have some basketball content on the Patreon page, patreon.com slash 3Mod to get signed up. Uh, Just 5 bucks a month to get bonus content and support us here on the show. We will talk to you soon. For Derek Young and Cole Manbeck, I am John Kurtz. Thanks for listening to another edition of 3. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU. K State or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain, educate, inform KC Sports Network.
3: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early,